Go to College, They Said, a podcast hosted by Get Involved NC, your center for student engagement and leadership at Niagara College. We're here for students who are looking to make the most out of their time in college, enhance their experience, make connections, and gain a competitive edge. This is an all-access pass for students to listen, learn, and start to lead with their best professional foot forward. So go to college, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Hello, and welcome back to Go to College, They Said. It is your host, Sarah, and today I am joined by one of our academic advisors, Heather, who is going to walk us through what we like to call not your average career planning checklist. So the past month, we have been majorly focusing on career prep, career readiness, as we are nearing the end-ish of this term, but more so that we have our career fair coming up next week week. So like I said, we're going to talk about not your average career planning checklist. And no matter where you are in your career planning cycle, your first job ever, your first professional job out of college or an academic or career change in progress, preparing for a job can be exciting and slightly overwhelming. There are lots of great tips on preparing cover letters, resumes, practicing interview skills and creating a social presence. But sometimes it's hard to know where to even get started, particularly if you feel like you don't know what knowledge or skills you bring to the table or where you fit in the world of work. So following this conversation, Heather walks us through a bit of a workshop style podcast. There's reflective questions to follow along with. So make sure you answer those. We'll mention it more than once. The best practice for gaining that confidence is writing it down and saying it out loud. So follow along with her prompts for these seven strategies for success that are designed to help you get started, find your fit, and take control of your career planning. And welcome back to Go to College, They Said. It is your host, Sarah, here, and I am alongside one of our academic advisors, Heather Craig Morton, who is going to go over not your average career planning checklist. So welcome to the pod, Heather. Thank you. <laughs> so excited Thank you. to talk about this. It's so relevant for students right now as as always, but with our career fair coming up, it'll be so great that they can kind of go through these points. You have kind of seven for success that they can yeah. focus on. Give us a little bit of an intro in your own words of who you are, and what you do. Sure. Thank you. First, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me on. I really appreciate it. As you said, I'm Heather Craig Morton, and I'm the academic advisor for our School of Technology and also our School of Media. And I also teach student success courses here at Niagara College as well. So um, I've been with the college for a couple of years now and uh, work very closely with students on helping to plan uh, their you know, programs and also look at what their career plans look like as well and support them through through that and their journey through college in general. So Amazing. So expertise in terms of helping plan for their career, which is so great because, again, that's the number one reason our students are here. But sometimes they get a little tunnel vision into their academics. And when it comes to career planning, I think they uh, like freeze up a little or yeah. not sure what to focus on or they're overwhelmed with so many things. So we're going to kind of walk through your seven for success on what they can do in planning for their, their career path. 
Sounds good. So yeah, yeah often off. as academic advisors, we see students when they're really unsure about what their next move looks like. And so they'll come to us to chat about um, maybe, you know, picking an elective or making a program change uh, or withdrawing from a program. Or even as they get uh, closer to the end of their program, they're looking at what those career plans look like moving forward and what they can do with their credentials. So we work really closely with the career consultants as well um, to support students in kind of really doing some of that exploration um, and really uncovering what their interests are and their strengths. Um, so again, students will come to us and they'll say, I, I really don't know what I want to do with this uh, credential. Can you help me figure this out? Or, um, you know, I'm really not sure what I should, what my next move looks like. And so um, as advisors and career consultants, our role is to really help students find their fit. So, you know, where do their skills fit in, uh, in their program areas? And then where do they fit in terms of their career paths? So what I did was I tried to think of some of the most common conversations that I've had with students, whether it's through advising or my previous work in in career development and even in the classroom and then organize that into just seven tips that they can think about at different phases throughout their journey whether it's their academic journey or their career planning journey and this is really kind of a cyclical process so it's a cycle that they'll go through so they can you know take any one of these tips and apply them at any point in their academic or career journey as well but we'll start with uh, I guess tip number one which I call get personal so there's a lot of information out there particularly as you're getting ready for career fairs that we'll talk about on um, the importance of networking, how to network, what that looks like, being prepared. And so students do need to understand some of the basics of networking. So for example, creating um, an elevator pitch, which is kind of a synopsis of their skills or experience or history and things like that. Um, and then how to present themselves professionally to employers as well. But networking goes beyond that as well. And I think that's the other thing that I want students to remember is that networking isn't about going to a conference with a business, you know, stack of business cards and saying, here's who I am and here's what I do and here's what I can do for you. And then moving on to the next person. It's really much more than that. And it's about, it's relational. So it's about yeah. building relationships and adding value. So rather than, I think a lot of students also get nervous about the thought of networking. So rather than approaching it like, you know, you know, who can I connect with to build my career? Um, look at it as, you know, a conversation with somebody. So who is this person in front of me? What do I want to know about them? How can I ask them questions? And what are they doing that I'm excited about that I might be able to support them with or lend my time and talent? I think if you can look at networking that way, then it's really about building those relationships rather than building your, you know, LinkedIn connections as an example and yes. building that up, right? But it can be really hard for students too, to, to think, well, I'm, I'm a student, I'm just graduating, I have no idea what I could bring to you know, someone else's project or, or, you know, employment setting, et cetera. So I think the rest of the tips we'll talk about will help students to uncover that as well. But definitely, yeah. So looking at, you know, what networking is, what it isn't, and just getting comfortable with building those conversation, conversational skills with other people as well and asking questions. Absolutely. And we have previous episodes on networking and your elevator pitch. And yeah. I think it has to do with adapting to networking now as well, because it is more virtual. And so yeah. you have have to be more intentional with it. And I like what you said, it, it really is fostering those relationships and creating meaningful connections over just that transactional. Here's my business card. What can you do for me? You need to give, give, give before you take. Yes. And like you said, you have to ask questions and, and what can I learn from this person? Or what do I want to know about this person? You have to be interested in someone for them to be interested in you. Yes, 100%. So, um, yeah, I, I really, really think that that get personal is 
is very important in the network. Absolutely. And I think one of the most interesting things I've ever seen before, I had someone that I'd come across and work previously. Um, she was a fellow student that was graduating from a program. And rather than prepare cover letters, obviously the cover letter goes uh, you know, along with the resume, but rather than preparing cover letters, she prepared something called a networking letter. So what she did was she reflected back on uh, the program she was enrolled in, the skills that she developed, but then also the things that she was interested in getting involved in. Instead of sending this to employers, she sent it to a list of her contacts. So these were um, not professional contacts entirely. So they were also personal contacts. And the letter basically said, you know, I'm uh, getting ready to graduate from my program. Here's the program I'm graduating from, some of the skills I've developed. And here's what I'm really excited about pursuing moving forward. I'm wondering if you might be able to um, introduce me to anyone that you know of who's actually doing some similar work, et cetera, so that I can connect with them and learn more about what they do. So that ties into something called what we call inter, um, information interviews as well, where it just gives you a chance to connect with other people and ask the questions about their own career paths. So That's a really was, good idea. Yeah, it was really, it was neat. So, so I think like a key takeaway here would be, you know, look at who is in your current network. So don't get caught up in developing your professional network right now, but look at who's in your current network that you can actually connect with and talk to about, you know, what your goals are and things like that. And then that will help you to practice as well when you get ready to network professionally too. Absolutely. So if you're, yeah, and again, just uh, I also like to have maybe a reflective question. So if you're not sure where to get started, I would say, you know, maybe jot down the answer to the following question. Like, what can you do to help someone else today on a special project or, you know, just in your community um, or this week, this month, this year? So really looking at what is your value add? How can you bring that to somebody else in terms of activities or projects they're working on? Um, and start to, to think about that, to just kind of look for an opportunity to get started. Yeah, so I love that as we go through, you'll give a couple reflective questions and I do challenge everyone listening to kind of write those out because those are what are going to be probably your talking points when you get more used to networking and, and evaluating yourself because the more you say it, the more you write it down, the more comfortable you're going to be. So yeah. just make note of those as we mention them. Perfect. So I think the second tip I have is think first to worst and next to best. So I know that sounds kind of, it sounds a little complicated. So it's first to worst and next to best. So paying attention to your first job out of college or your first professional job, the next job after that, and look at those as kind of markers as you make your way to your ultimate goal in terms of your dream job. So for example, just kind of remembering that each job teaches us something, whether it's the first job you have to the worst job you've ever had. They, each one of those jobs will help us to get the best job that we're, we're hoping to, to get. So my first job out of college, uh, sorry, my first job ever was at, this is really funny, but I used to work at Marineland and my job was to inflate plastic whales for the gift shop. <laughs> So not exactly like the dream job. My, yeah, my, my first job out of college was actually um, as a community worker and I would facilitate life skills workshops for young parents. And so from there, I uh, had an opportunity to pursue one of two directions. One was actually working with seniors and helping to reduce isolation and developing community programs to support that. The other job was as an employment counselor um, facilitating uh, workshops on career planning and development. So I wasn't really sure which job I should take. And I wasn't really, I 
at the time, I couldn't see the connection between my current work and what those two opportunities looked like. So it was really hard for me to see what those transferable skills were that I had that could apply to both of those, those jobs. So I decided to go with the employment counseling position. So I took that one because it seemed to be the most connected to my work. I knew that I would be facilitating workshops. I did have experience doing that as well. I didn't have experience in career development specifically. So that made me really nervous, you know, without having that formal training, but I did it anyway. And it was fantastic because that job then led me to, to teaching. And so um, an opportunity came up to teach in the college sector um, more than 15 years ago. And so I was able to build, take the skills that I developed in that job and then apply it to, to my teaching role as well. And then kind of move forward from there as well. So what I want students to remember with that is that I think students often think, oh, I need to find like the perfect job right out of college. And that's not the case if, or the, the best job, like I have to find that job, the job, the one right now. And the reality is if we think like that, then I'd still be inflating plastic whales in marine <laughs> land, right? So you don't take that first job and keep it for the rest of your life necessarily. You really look at what is the next job? What is my next move right now? And what can I learn from it? And how will it help me to develop the skills that I need that I can then take with me so that I'm inching closer to my best job or my dream job and pay attention to those signposts, right? What are those things that spark joy in each one of the jobs that you take? So for me, it was always facilitating and teaching every position that I've ever had. That was the common thread. I had administrative duties and fundraising work and, you know, social media and marketing roles and things like that. But for me, I found my joy and my passion always in the classroom and teaching. And I do that with advising. So I teach students um, how to develop the skills they need to be successful in college as well, right? So pay attention to each one of the jobs that you have and the signposts in those jobs and find the things that spark joy for you. And I think the takeaway here is remember that your next move is not the rest move. So it's not the move for the rest of your life. And it may not be the best move, like the the job that is the be all and end all for you, but every career move or decision that you make gets you a step closer to the thing that you want to do. So, so yeah, in terms of like reflective questions, I would say, ask yourself now, what was the last thing that you did that sparked joy for you? So, and then how can you follow that into your next role? I think that's really great advice too, in knowing like someone who's successful, like you, who started a job that wasn't necessarily your career path you know like you know that you are not going to be inflating plastic whales (laughs) but you it's an opportunity with so many students come to us and say I don't have any experience I've only worked retail and those are perfect examples of you have a lot of soft skills that you're learning in those areas and in those jobs along the way to your career path so don't just write them off And then also take into account everything else that you're doing outside of the classroom. So any volunteer work, any other interest, anything that um, maybe is a hobby even for you, what skills do you have from that and push that forward to your, to your next move. So I love that first to worst and next to best. Thanks. Yeah. I think uh, the third uh, recommendation that I would have is to say yes. And I think sometimes the fear of the unknown prevents us from taking risks to kind of follow the things that we might be interested in. We sometimes are just worried that we don't have the skill set or the formal qualifications or, you know, any number of things. And so um, that fear can be paralyzing, really. And so I think um, the best advice that I ever heard um, was, I'll, I'll kind of explain the relationship I had with this person, but the best advice 
I ever heard was to just say yes and then figure it out. Yes. Um, yes. And the person that I was talking with, actually, it was a fluke. It was a side conversation I was having with someone. And I always love to find out how people got into their roles, what their paths look like. I'm fascinated by that because I don't think that journeys are always necessary, necessarily linear. Um, people take multiple pathways to get to, to where they are. And I was asking this particular individual how she got into her current role. And she told me the most fascinating story. And it, it was completely based on saying yes. She started out as a graphic designer. So this was back when um, you had to hand illustrate ads for newspapers, um, oh for goodness. businesses in newspapers. <laughs> so yeah, so she started out with that and um, was very artistic and really wanted to, uh, to keep doing that, but also wanted to develop a side hustle. So what she did was she bought a t-shirt printing machine. So she started to make t-shirts and sell those as well and was very successful and was actually approached by an executive director who said, you know, I'm really impressed with your graphic design skills. We're looking at rebranding our organization. We'd love to have you over on our team. She ended up moving into this role where she rebranded the organizations like their logo, their overall image. And through that role ended up having a lot of conversations with community partners as well and ended up doing a lot of spots on radio programs. Well, she was on the radio so often and was very well received that she was actually offered a job as a radio host. And so she was terrified, she said, and, but said, yeah. So that was the story. And she said that was her lesson was just to say, yes, don't be afraid. You'll figure it out. And if you don't know how to do something, this is, I guess, the big takeaway from this. If you're not sure how to do something, you can learn it and you don't have to do it by yourself. Find the people who have the skills, ask them for help. So don't be afraid to ask for that help to do the thing that you want to do and just say yes and jump into it. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think especially for our students, take every opportunity that comes your way, especially as a student um, looking to broaden your opportunities in your career. And you don't have to stay married to that yes forever. Right. Always like take the experience and then learn from it and move on. So yes. absolutely. Keep yeah. And I think the big reflective question, if you're not sure where to start there is um, ask yourself, what would you do if time, money or resources weren't an obstacle? Jot down some of those answers and do any of those things scare you? And if they do, who do you know that can help you with that? Who might you reach out to to kind of just get that started so that you can move past that fear into saying yes? The next tip, so I guess tip number four would be to think lateral, not linear. So I think often as well, and no matter where you are in your career journey, the tendency is for people to look at, okay, so I'm moving into my first job, and then what is the next logical step? So um, often they're looking at, say, maybe a supervisory role next or a management role next. And so they're looking at climbing that ladder as an example. So it is natural to kind of ladder up, as I say. So looking ahead or looking forward. Uh, to the next logical step. Um, and it is good to have those goals and to always have something to work on. But I think the challenge too is that we we forget to look sideways at the opportunities that exist in within what we're doing or even in different areas that may be related to what we're doing, but aren't that we're not necessarily familiar with as well. I think it's important to look uh, sideways and also look at uh, different opportunities to, uh, to get involved. So for students, for a beginner job seeker, as an example, you know, you may be in a current role right now and not seeing the connection between your current role and your program. Um, but there may be opportunities that exist within your current job or your current volunteer experience or, or something like that, 
that you can apply your education to. So looking for those opportunities within your current kind of realm is equally as important as looking at your next step. And I think for experienced job seekers, you know, if you're in a role for quite some time, uh, sometimes people can feel stuck. So we've got a lot of students that are returning to school after time away, maybe their parents, or they've got significant industry experience back at school to add extra credentials or upgrade their skills, etc. So maybe they've got lots of work experience. And I think those individuals as well can really look at how can I take my current role and expand it rather than, you know, looking at it as though they need to make an entire career shift. So I think that's equally important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you often hear that ladder up and, and I think it's important to also just remember to look left and right because there are a ton of opportunities that can help you down the road ladder up, but it's yeah. always what you need to do right away. And I feel like, like you said, people feel like they get stuck sometimes and they're like, why aren't I moving up when a lateral move can be just as beneficial and rewarding as moving up. So yes, absolutely. So if you're not really sure um, what that might look like for you in your current role, as an example, maybe just ask yourself, you know, in your current role as a student, a volunteer, an employee, what can you do in that current role to develop a new or a different skill, particularly if you are looking at making a change. And if you're still not sure, then I would say, uh, look to tip number five, which is get crafty. (laughs) So I think our, you know, this next tip as well is particularly applicable to people that may not be able to leave a job that they're in. So if you're currently in a particular role at work, sometimes it's not always feasible to leave that role. Maybe you've got your family responsibilities, you have bills to pay, et cetera. So you need to stay in that role. So how can you reshape that role so that it fits kind of what you need either personally or professionally, right? So that it fills your personal bucket or so that it's helping you to develop your skills so that you're ready to make that move when that opportunity comes up. So you can get crafty through something called job crafting. If you want to, for any uh, listeners who want to check this out as well, Dutton and Wurznewski um, wrote an article. So two authors that have been doing research for 20 years on job crafting wrote an article and talked about what it means to job craft. So how do you take your current role and change it so that it fits you? You can do that in three different ways. One is by changing the actual work that you're doing. So task crafting or relational crafting, where you change who you interact with and cognitive crafting, where you change the way you interpret your tasks or your role as well. So there's some really neat ways that you can shift kind of your thinking or your experiences in your current work as well that will help you to develop skills. So yeah, so if you're, you know, a new student in your first job and you're thinking, I don't know if I love this, like I I can't see myself doing this for for you know the next five years. How can you change the work that you're currently doing in that job? So are there other people that you can interact with outside of that work that still relates to the work that you're doing to build your network, to build your skills, to build kind of that awareness of other opportunities as well? Or can you change how you view the work? So instead of saying, I have to do this, uh, reframe it to say, I get to do this and here's what I do and here's why what I do matters. So there are different ways to kind of look at that. And I think that would be a, it's a great article to check out if anybody's interested in that too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look that up. I love that. I think it's also really big into the mindset 
that you're in and you said it for like filling your bucket, like filling your cups and knowing when you have to add in something else or make a shift or add that change in, because I think it is unique to something that you might be able to bring to the table to say, oh, I, I'm really passionate about this. Can I, can I add this in and find a way to work that in? So maybe it does fill your cup in a different way. So I liked the whole get crafty. It's, it's yeah. relevant. So then if you, yeah, just ask yourself, how can you craft your current role using some of those examples as well? So maybe just take a minute to kind of think about that. And then that might give you some ideas on how you can make some of those changes, right? I think uh, tip number six is remembering that an end is also a beginning. Again, if we go back to, you know, advising and career planning, often we see students who, again, aren't sure what they want to do. And making a change, a program change, or leaving a program is a monumental decision for students. But they know, students know what they need. And so they know if they need to make that change, right? but it can still be scary. And I think sometimes students tend to view that as, and I'll use air quotes, a failure when it's not, it's just a move. It's a next move. So recognizing that while you might end a program or end a job, et cetera, that it's also the start of something new. I never thought that I would end up teaching ever. When I started out in high school, I wanted to be a high school history and English teacher. That's what I wanted to do. And I got into university and I realized this is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. And I actually ended up on academic probation. And so in my, at the end of my first term, and I actually, what I call unofficially withdrew, which means I just stopped going to classes, but didn't see an academic advisor. So I have F grades on my transcript. So failing grades on my transcript. And then eventually I actually had to, I was academic dismissed because I stopped, like I said, I just stopped going to classes. And for me, I thought I had failed. And it's awful to view yourself that way and to, to, to think of it that way. Um, and I think over the years, I've learned that really it's, it's an end, but it was also a beginning to really have a chance to explore what I was interested in. I ended up going to college and uh, taking a new program through that, enrolled in a course that had one particular assignment that taught me about um, the principles of adult education. And, and that reminded me that I really enjoyed teaching and I really enjoyed facilitating and just being with people and interacting in that way. And I ended up going back to university and finishing out my degree through correspondence. And then I went on to do a master's in education. Again, I never thought that that would ever happen. So I think, you know, when you look at an ending, it's really important to look at that not as a failure, but really as an opportunity to reassess. Like, what is it that you really want? Why did it not work out for you? And there are reasons for that. And to really kind of explore that more fully, you know, that every obstacle, it really presents an opportunity. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I think people are often scared of the word failure as well. That's why they don't want to use it. And I think they need to like you said, that that mindset, you need to change what that means to you because it's a learning opportunity and any setbacks and fit, quote unquote failure is the biggest area for growth. Like you learn yeah. the most, you learn the most about you, what you want to do. And then, you know, maybe that's not the path for me or that is, and I need to work on this, this, and this so that I can progress in it. So right. if anything, a failure is only a benefit to you because you're learning. Yeah, absolutely. And we see that a lot on online, right? Where people are talking about failing forward. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. How do you take that and then learn from it and use it to, you know, kind of explore your next opportunity as well. So if you're feeling like you're in that situation where you're feeling like you're at a crossroads or an end of something, maybe ask yourself, when was the last time you failed at something? And what did you learn about yourself or that situation that you can take with you into your next opportunity, right? And then connecting with a career consultant or an advisor to explore what that next opportunity might look like based on those lessons and a host of other things. So yeah. 
I think finally, the last one would be, so tip number seven is find your why to find your way. And we often hear about, you know, people talking about the importance of uncovering, you know, your passions and your interests and things like that, but it can be really difficult. That's why there's so many articles on it, right? So many people are trying to figure out what should I be doing with my life? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up and I'm pushing 50. So uh, again, we've talked about a host of things, right? So some of the common threads here are reflecting on your experiences, looking for opportunities, taking risks uh, in order to get those rewards. But I think a, a, a starting point really for students is to figure out what is your story? Like, just like the story I shared with you right now about my pathway, for a long time, I was embarrassed to tell that story. I didn't want people knowing that I didn't pass, you know, and that it took me a long time to finish my education. And I saw that I was really viewing that through kind of a deficit lens, that there was something wrong with me that I needed to fix. And so I think it's important to kind of uh, shift the narrative and really look at yeah, this is my story. And what were the strengths that I had that enabled me to kind of move through this um, and to continue in the face of adversity, whether it's academic adversity or career adversity, et cetera? Um, what were the lessons that I learned? And then I think owning your story and recognizing that all of those pieces, um, all of those experiences you've had, those significant events are all important in uncovering what your career pathway has looked like and could look like and uh, important to help you identify what you bring to the table. So I think uh, just looking at like the takeaway, you know, like figure out your story and then learn how to tell it, right? What were those key moments, those pivotal events that shaped your trajectory? And then how do they drive you now and uh, inform what you do as well? So mm -hmm. I think that's really big. Like you said, not being embarrassed by your story. I remember in university, I had failed a class and I had to take it again the next year because it was a prerequisite for my program. And the following year, they hired me as a research assistant. As right. a and so it's just like, you're not yeah. just because you fail once does not mean. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. It, it's, yeah, your pathway is your pathway and yeah. take it step by step and then get comfortable telling that story. Because like we yeah. said before with your elevator pitch, the yeah. more you say it, the more confident you are with it. And then there's nothing to be embarrassed about because yeah. like, are now I think if anything it's inspiring to others yeah that's the best thing that you could be so just yeah. be yourself and get get comfortable again telling your story yes absolutely and it gives permission to other people to tell theirs and to have those conversations which goes right back to tip number one networking and building relationships right so mm -hmm. it's yeah it is a cycle I was um, just gonna say it really yeah. is that cycle so full yeah. circle moments so yeah. many great tips I know that they're going to take away so many from this and you have that homework now, all those reflective questions. So put pen to paper as you're listening, go back and listen and redo them and uh, take advantage of all these tips as you're looking to plan your career next, all your next career move. So thank you so much for sharing all of this. Like I said, so many great students and I know that there's going to be so much value for them moving far from this. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you too. Yeah, you can come on anytime. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you Have all for day. listening. Bye. Bye.